4%, the number of millennials who are called integrated disciples. Researcher George Barna defining these people as those who seek to imitate Christ in belief and behavior. But even among those 65 and older, 17% would be the same. George Barna says past studies focused on belief, but belief and behavior often contradict. So they looked for both. It's interesting to connect this story with another. Pastor and researcher Alex McFarlane recently telling the Christian Post the single greatest contributor to the attrition rate of the Christian faith has been the breakdown of the family. Many millennials who grew up in Christian homes say they never saw their parents live out their faith. What do we do? Parents, we need to repent. We need to ask for the Father to give us the Spirit and more grace. Let's be ready to show Christ's love as we pray for the return of our prodigals. Welcome to Haven Today. I'm Charles Morris sharing the great story that's all about Jesus. And here on this Monday, we're opening a new series called Hope for Your Prodigal. The story of the prodigal son, possibly the most famous parable Jesus ever told, is nothing less than full of grace. And I think it resonates with Christians because we know that we are all prodigals. We were all born astray, each one choosing to go in our own way. No matter how outwardly rebellious you were or are, deep down inside, all of us share the heart of a rebel who's running from the Lord. I just thought my parents and their religious beliefs were standing in the way of my social life. I wanted to have friends, I wanted to have fun, I wanted to do what felt good. I saw mm -hmm. my parents' rules as just outdated and mm -hmm. unnecessary. That's my good friend Barbara Giuliani, along with a few notes from the 1961 hit song Runaway by Del Shannon. Barbara will return in a moment to tell us more about her runaway story and how God used her patient father and mother to pray for her and love her. Then after the program, I want to send you a copy of the book that Barbara and her late father, Pastor Jack Miller, wrote together called Come Back Barbara. It's the best prodigal story outside of the New Testament I've ever read. It was a blessing to read when my wife and I were dealing with our own prodigals many years back. I know this book will give you hope. It'll remind you that Jesus is in the business of leading prodigals back home. So after the program, just call us at 800-654-2836. 800-654-2836. Or you can visit us online and make your gift at our website, haventoday.org. Haventoday.org. Now, let's get started. We're going to open this Monday and this week with Casting Crowns, and it's called, Oh My Soul. Oh my soul, oh how you worry, oh how you weary from fearing you lost control. This was the one thing you didn't see coming and no one would blame you. Cried in private If you tried to hide it away So no one knows No one will see 
from Casting Crowns, Oh My Soul, and this is Haven Today. And we're in a series this week, just starting today, called Hope for Your Prodigal. Now let's go back to Philadelphia and a conversation I had a few years ago with my friend, Barbara Giuliani. Barb, welcome to Haven Today. Thank you. Thank you, Charles. It's great to be here. The name of the book that you and your late father wrote was Come Back, Barbara. Your first name is Barb. This is a book about you. You grew up in a large home in Philadelphia. There were five siblings Mm -hmm. uh, in the family, your parents. Your dad was trying to teach at a seminary. He was Mm -hmm. trying to start a church at the same time. Were you the one that always wanted to kind of rebel? Not at all. I was You were compliant? I was compliant. Mm. I always went along with everybody. I didn't actually like making waves. I didn't care for conflict at all. 
And my father was very, in his own sweet way, very much in charge of our home. And Mm -hmm. I never wanted to cross him. And I didn't really cross him until I left home at the age of 18 and announced that I wasn't a Christian and Mm. wasn't Mm. really planning on coming back. So what led you, the compliant child, at age 18, you get out of high school to say, I'm not a Christian, because you would have been thinking that for some years prior to that, I'm sure. I was thinking for some years before I left that I was not a Christian, and I just had no way to express that to my parents. It wasn't part of our family system. Our family took great pride in who we were as Christians Mm -hmm. and that all of us were extremely articulate Christians. Mm -hmm. We went to a Christian high school, elementary and high school, Mm -hmm. and I did not think that a discussion of my faith would have been welcomed in my home or Mm. my lack of faith in this Mm. case. Mm. And I really think that reflecting on what was going on in my mind, I think basically I just thought my parents and their religious beliefs were standing in the way of my social life. (laughs) All right. So I wanted to have friends. I wanted to have fun. I wanted to do what felt good. It was you know, just at that time where our whole culture was sort of, people were giving up rules, and I saw myself very much as a part of that. I saw Mm -hmm. my parents' Mm -hmm. rules as just outdated and Mm. unnecessary. This is interesting because typically we would have someone on and please tell me your story, and oh, I was raised in the Christian home, and at the age of four, I prayed the sinner's prayer, and I'm not one of those that really can say when I became a Christian, Mm. but I prayed this prayer at four, but you had the perfect set of circumstances, and yet you were the one out of five that really didn't believe. But you're not alone in the world. Yeah, there was more than one of us. (laughs) (laughs) I was the one that got to tell my story with my dad. Right. But I think, you know, I did pray those prayers. I did walk down the aisle. I -hmm. always felt a need when I was younger to be saved, and I was always troubled by my sins. Mm -hmm. But But at 18, you wouldn't have seen yourself as a sinner then, would you? No, I didn't. I think I really just gave up. I thought that being a Christian meant being perfect. So you were trying to perform. I was, and and I saw my parents as perfect because I never saw them really do anything wrong that I could see. Mm -hmm. So I just didn't understand that Christians were sinners and that you had to be saved by Christ's death on the cross and that that you had to keep asking for that. You had to keep living a life of repentance and faith. Mm -hmm. I had no knowledge of that, and I honestly don't think my parents really did. Mm -hmm. And they would say that. My Mm. father, you know, has passed away and is with Jesus, but my mother would definitely say that now. Mm. that they didn't really understand the life of faith themselves, and they didn't, weren't able to share it with their children. All right, let's, let's go on. You made this very bold announcement, fourth in line of five children. Did you leave home? Did you go to college? I went to college. And you went off? You went away from home? I went to college and moved right in with uh, a boy that I met there mm-hmm. and didn't come home again for... I came home briefly, maybe five years later for a couple of months, but didn't really live at home again. That must have been a real trial, because I'm thinking as a parent myself. It was a grief. It was a grief for my parents, of course. They were grieving. They were. But it probably led them to pray for you in a way that they had never prayed before, and to pray for themselves and their hearts as never before. Actually, what I did was very painful. And if one of my children did that to me, I'd be devastated. Mm. 
Um, but God did use it in their life to sort of break open their whole system of mm. what they thought it meant to be a Christian mm. and introduced weakness and brokenness mm. and their daily need for Christ. It introduced mm. all that to them because mm. what their efforts had done hadn't worked out for them. The one thing my dad said to me that was so kind is when I left home and maybe nine months later, I wrote them a letter and said, by the way, I'm living with my boyfriend this summer mm. and I'm not coming home. Oh. So he drove up to see me and he sat down with me and he said, you know, it's hard to hear that, but God wants us to know the truth. So I'm glad that I know the truth about you and mm -hmm. I'm glad so I know who you are and how to pray for you. Mm -hmm. It was actually very comforting to me. Mm. So maybe what? Dickinson College is a couple hours away, two mm -hmm. and a half hours away, something like that. And you almost stayed away from your family because were you a little afraid to be with your family, do you think? I just really didn't want to be around any Christians. What I told myself was that Christians were hypocrites, although I always liked my parents. <laughs> but um, I didn't really think they were hypocrites. You didn't hate your parents, I didn't at, least. at all. All right. But I didn't feel comfortable around them. And. I think, you know, looking back on it, I think my conscience bothered me when I was around my parents. So that's not comfortable. And of course, when you're relating to a child who has left the faith, and mm -hmm. yet they've grown up knowing the truth of who God is and who they are in God, they're not going to really want to be around people who remind them of the things that they're trying to mm. really close their mm. heart and their mind to. And what about your, your siblings then? Were they reaching out to you at all during they this did. time? I mean, it was looking back, it's just amazing the way my family responded to me mm -hmm. because they just worked really hard at having a relationship with somebody who didn't really want a relationship with them. And that's hard. It's mm -hmm. so easy mm -hmm. to feel rejected and angry. But all of them worked at being in my life, at helping me whichever way they could. They all asked me for forgiveness for different things. Mm -hmm. And I was really the one that was acting badly. So mm -hmm. it was an amazing thing what they did. So your dad had come to see you. Your mom was trying to stay in touch. Your siblings were trying to ask for forgiveness. And then what happened? You were in this other relationship. Well, I would say that, you know, as my parents and my siblings were being faithful and loving me and loving me well, my life just went from bad to worse. Mm. So mm -hmm. the guy that I moved in with, I lived with him for a year and a half, and then mm -hmm. we got married. Mm-hmm. And after about a year and a half of being married, I was just desperately unhappy. Mm. And I had dropped out of school to get married. Mm. So I left him and met a man who was actually a drug dealer and moved in with him. And that was in back and, home in Philadelphia. And that then. was back in this area. So And that relationship lasted for another three years. It was a very mm -hmm. destructive part of my life. Mm -hmm. And then in the end, I actually just got sick of being such a mess and thought, well, I don't want to be a Christian, but maybe I could actually just be productive like my parents are. And how were they responding to you? They stopped by your... all the time. My father shared the gospel with whatever drug dealer happened to be in the room when he was there. And I remember one time, very clearly, we were sitting, talking, all these guys were there, and my father came in, and he you know, he sat down and he just started telling like all of his stories about how people became Christians and how God was at work. And 
it was to me it was very old hat but to them it was completely it was fascinating and when he left i remember one friend of mine looked at me and said your father is a complete piece of work <laughs> <laughs> i always thought that was the best description of him so you know they just they loved us and come back barbara one of the things that people criticized my parents for was that they loved us too well hmm. And you mean they should have taken a firmer hand exactly. with you? A firmer stance, okay. you know, All right. as if that would have helped me. But in any case, my dad says in Comeback Barbara that they decided if they were going to make a mistake, it would be on the side of loving too much. Hmm. I would not say from my perspective that that was ever a mistake. Hmm. And a lot of people heard about Jesus who never, ever would have heard about hmm. him. Hmm. And I still pray for some of those people today. If so. you just joined us, we're talking to... Barbara Giuliani, but she was Barbara Miller Giuliani, and she wrote a book with her late father, Jack Miller, called Come Back Barbara. How'd the Lord finally break through to you? Well, I would say that it was a long process. Mm -hmm. I think it began with me just not wanting to be as messed up as I was. And that was really a direct result of my parents' prayers. Mm. I was living with this guy that was a drug dealer, and I was going back and forth about whether I should leave him or not. And one morning, and I swear this is true, I got up and I was like, I'm out of here. And I just packed my bags and left. And my father said to me later, he said, I just started praying that you would leave him. Mm. And he didn't know that he was a drug dealer. So he didn't know, like, all the reasons I should have left him immediately. <laughs> like, he always wondered if I should marry him, you know, because we were together. Right. But he just had a sense that I should leave, and he started praying that way. And it was just like the Holy Spirit just grabbed me. But mm. so in my quest to become a productive member of society, which mm -hmm. I hadn't actually done that yet in my life, I went back to college and started working and supporting myself. And I met a man who was bartending where I was waitressing. Mm -hmm. And I moved in with him, which was very mm -hmm. disappointing to my parents because I thought I was getting myself back together. Mm -hmm. And now here I was in another relationship. So, mm -hmm. But they really like only skipped a beat. And then they were right back in there sharing mm -hmm. the gospel, welcoming us in, loving mm -hmm. us. And so I graduated from Temple University, went to California to work on my doctorate. Mm -hmm. and, you started um, at Stanford. I did, mm -hmm. yes. So um, before I left, my father was on his way to Uganda. And it was right after Idi Amin had been deposed and the country was very unstable. And he was afraid that he might die there. A lot of mm -hmm. people were. So he tried to have a conversation with me about faith, which always went very badly, mm. responded very poorly to anything he said to me about faith. And so he started out by saying, I don't want to take you to heaven with me as a beautiful memory. Mm. So I can see from your face, you think that's so sweet, but I took such offense to it mm. <laughs> and just started to yell at him, like, you think I'm going to hell and that's what's wrong with our relationship. And... This is so, part of the it went south quickly. It went south so quickly. My father actually just stopped talking at all, which was very unusual for my father. <laughs> and that really took me by surprise. And then he said to me, I know that you can't make yourself into a Christian, but how about if you just prayed that if God was real, he would show himself to you? Mm. And for the first time, I thought, well, I, he never said anything like that to me before. Uh -huh. And it was very encouraging to me to realize that my father knew that I couldn't just make a choice and believe in something I didn't believe in. Right. Like my parents always would say things to me, and then, you know, God said this or that. And I'd be like, what are they talking about? Hmm. Like, I've never heard God say a word 
or do mm. a thing. <laughs> so I did pray that. And then I that went. That was the beginning. And that was. Perhaps. That really was the beginning of my relationship with God, mm. was to pray that. Barb Giuliani, we're going to have you back on the program tomorrow. We're going to tell people in a minute about Come Back, Barbara, the book, which I've got to tell our listeners is the best book I've ever read on a prodigal. It's about your life. So thanks for joining me here on the program today. You're welcome. The cruelest word, the coldest heart, the deepest wound, the endless dark. The lonely ache, the burning tears, the bitter nights, the wasted years. Life breaks and falls apart, but we know these are. song for us today, Unredeemed by Selah, here as we begin a brand new series called Hope for Your Prodigal. You're on Haven Today, and I'm Charles Morris, and I want to invite you to come back tomorrow. I want you to hear the rest of Barb's story of redemption and grace. I think you will be able to identify with her story just as I've been able to.
We have all known prodigal stories like Barbara Giuliani's, right? Maybe it's your own child, like in my case. Maybe it's a friend, maybe even yourself. Somebody running from the Lord. Well, I want to offer you some hope today. Comeback Barbara is the best prodigal story I've ever read outside of the New Testament. And it impacted my wife and myself as we struggled with our own prodigals. And what makes this book so unique is that you'll read it from a couple of perspectives. The perspective of Barbara and that of her father, the late pastor Jack Miller. He was my pastor on the East Coast. In this book, you're going to be encouraged to not give up on the prodigal around you. The Lord hasn't, so why should you? So I want to send you the book, Come Back, Barbara, for your gift to this listener-supported ministry. All you have to do today is call 800-654-2836, 800-654-2836, or come and visit us online and watch the video we shot with Barbara at her home in a suburb of Philadelphia, and then you can make your gift and ask for your copy of Comeback Barbara. So our website that you can visit right now is one word, haventoday.org, haventoday.org. And if you thought about it last week, you wanted one for yourself or maybe one for yourself and somebody else, we still have that brand new book by Johnny Erickson Tata called Songs of Suffering. You can read about it on our website. You can get it from us by making your gift when you call. I'm Charles Morris. Thanks so much for joining me. Would you make a note to come back and listen again tomorrow? When again, you'll be hearing the rest of Barbara Giuliani's story, but you'll be hearing the rest of the real story. That's all about Jesus. And we'll do it together here on Haven Today. Here for your encouragement and your walk with Jesus, I'm Charles Morris with Haven Ministries, inviting you to anchor your day in God's Word. 1 Corinthians 13 is still the most popular Bible passage to read and hear read at weddings. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. It is not boastful. It is not arrogant. The irony is that Paul wrote these words to a church that was acting exactly the opposite of love. Corinth was mean, envious, boastful, arrogant, and so are we sometimes. But that is the good news. Love comes to us whether we are worthy of it or not, whether we are ready for it or not. Love comes and finds us. Christ came to find us and lead us home, and he came in kindness, patience, without envy, without arrogant boasting. Christ's love frees us to love. Spend more time with Jesus. Visit GetAnchor.com.